0: Good morning, this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. Sorry, I sound like a toad. Toady. We went to the convention last weekend and someone made me sick. I don't know who, one of the 2,000 people that were there.
1: One of the 2,000 closest friends of
0: yours? There could have been more. I really didn't actually count them.
1: Yeah, we we, uh, call it concred. I don't know if that's a term that everybody uses, but here in Northern California, we use concred. Unfortunately, not all of us got sick, just Jolene. It oh, really sucks. That's has that got Today we're back in our normal re- recording studio. I still haven't put out the DDC episode,
0: but you may have by the time they listen to this.
1: That's true. Today's subject is dark games. Dark games. Does that
0: does that mean that you play them in the dark? Yes. With candles by, with lit. Candlelight.
1: No, it's not ten candles. It's a more like a theme, right? Uh, more like a a dark theme. A dark thing. A dark like a setting. Dark theme, or I said. Nothing. Theme, 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 yes. I my ears are playing too, maybe. Dark themed game. There's quite a few games out there that... So what are dark themed games, right? I guess get adult nature. Maybe some might use the term adult, but... You know, I'm not a-
0: going to use that term because the term adult means something totally different to
1: me. <laughs> and I won't be playing any of those games. So I think I've said in the past on the podcast that I don't run my players play evil characters. And mainly because I play... At the time, I was playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, from Pathfinder to Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition, and I'm playing with my son and his friends. So that was one of the motivations for having that rule that I didn't want them playing evil characters as little kids. I just saw something I just I thought was not good because
0: they were young and impressionable.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah and and even <sighs> even when I was a kid, I wasn't I have and I've heard stories over and over again about how boys when they're playing all by themselves with each other. That's how. That sounds wrong. Saul. <laughs> you no, know, when they're playing Dungeons and Dragons with each other, they tend to get go a little crazy, right? They do wild. They have wild antics and and run amok, you know, and do all kinds of you know killing and pillaging type stuff, right? Because I guess that's what young either teenage boys like to do. Young teenage boys like to do and express how they like to express themselves. And D and D or role playing games is a way of, of safely being maniacal and creating mayhem and you know without getting arrested arrested.
0: right but you were lucky because you had Felipe who was very he was a Eagle Scout kind of guy
1: well we've talked about that but also I mean it just never occurred to me to play that way or to run amok you know we were always the good guys we always tried to do the best that we could you know I played a paladin even though he was chaotic and probably shouldn't have kept paladin status back in ADD times but you know ultimately he would do I would think as I remember the the good thing you know he would do the right thing, so as an adult, that's how I run my games. You know, I run my games as I don't know about uh, you know, Goody Two Shoes, but you know, for the most part, characters are around to do good deeds for people and protect the kingdom, protect the king, you know, save the the princess and those kind of things. or the prince, or the prince, or whatever, right? But ultimately, they're considered good, you know, alignment. You know, and alignment helps in that sense to me. You know, that's why uh, one of the one of my uh, friend's kids wanted to play an evil character and he was about what 15 probably Mm -hmm. yeah and my and he's three years older than my son so would have made my son 12 and i said no you can't play an evil character he wanted to play an assassin or something i said no you can't he goes well it's in the book I i don't care if it's in the book i'm not gonna let you play an evil character well he doesn't have to be evil i don't an assassin has to be evil to me unless he's a reformed assassin. And he goes, no, he's not. So we went back and forth about that, and ultimately I said, no, you, you know, I put my foot down, saying you can't play that character. So he got, you know, he got in a huff or whatever. But he went and made another character. But he's always pushed the envelope as far as he always mixed. It, he's mixed, you know, like his characters are very. I don't know what you consider, but he's very. He's been very heavily influenced by Japanese animation, anime, where it was, you know, they are always. Uh, you know, fighting their inner demon type of thing seems like.
0: Which is fine, but when you're playing with 12-year-olds, you probably don't want, as a parent, you don't want a bunch of uh, assassins at the table. And, Correct. If, and if the older one does it, then the younger ones are going to want to do it.
1: That's what I was thinking.
0: Now that they're older, though, it's a little bit different because they all have their own ideas now. Different. Yeah, ideas, well, they
1: form their own personalities already. So for the most part. They're still evolving. There's no doubt about that. You know, my our our sons, my son is 16 and his friend is, uh, only two days uh, apart. So then that, that's the younger brother of the older, older guy, but anyway, so a dark game, right? So automatically I'm thinking, you know, for me, a dark game is, is something that the theme is like either really greedy or it's kind of like, I think that the environment is really against the player. And so Uh, For me, post-apocalyptic games are are definitely...
0: Name some games so So, people know know what you're talking about.
1: So, post-apocalyptic games. So, let's say Gamma World can be a dark game. Even though the last incarnation of Gamma World was kind of this jokey, you know, things, you know, instant mutations pop up and it's kind of a goofy game. Uh, But other other incarnations of it, you know, were, you know, it's post-apocalyptic. You know, the world has ended through nuclear war. Uh... There's been mutations of everything, and it's a dangerous place. Other games that took it a little bit step further and made it more realistic, if you want to use that term, Twilight 2000, Oh, that's a, a real post-apocalyptic yeah it was third world third world war setting you know uh, happens it's set in a real world setting and there's no strange mutations the only mutation is death right because that's basically what radiation does to you doesn't make you grow extra arms or latin at least as far as we know
0: so if you're gonna play in a setting like that then you're you have choices to make right how grim do you want the game to be how evilish do you want to be i mean are you going around like on Rust, where they, my son's, one of my son's favorite games, which I can't stand, on the computer, where you're just going around and killing people and taking their stuff.
1: Yes, yes. yeah. It's, it's sort of a survival game. You have limited resources. You're in a limited area. And so you basically form bands and groups and go against other groups and raid each other. Twilight 2000 is sort of like that because there is limited resources. So usually the, the setting is either... Uh, soldiers caught abroad after the World War, the Third World War. So they're either trying to make their way back home, or they're stuck in a foreign land, right? And I wouldn't say behind enemy lines because all, there's no. Big, but every, every you know, the world, the world is torn apart. So what happens in those kind of things? So you got it like this you know, Hobbesian type of uh, thing going on, where where everybody's out for themselves. They're just trying to survive. And sometimes that means taking stuff from other people, you know, stealing or killing them for their food and bullets or resources. And so that's kind of a dark theme game for me. I mean, characters in that kind of world are always going to have these kind of uh, moral quandaries that they got to figure out. You know, what are they willing to do to survive? And so I think that's pretty dark. That's pretty grim and gritty.
0: I'm not sure. I I mean, I know you've had fun playing in that game, but... Or running it, but you did it like soldiers trying to get back to the U.S. Right, but for me, I don't know. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it, it does attract a certain type of player. I mean, there's no doubt for me when I'm on when I'm on their uh, Facebook pages and and we pages and stuff like that. Players who play those kind of games, you know, there's a certain demographic, right? You know, it seems to fit. Uh, there's also a game called Moral Moral Project. Which is a little bit more hopeful, right? A Moral Project. If you've never heard of it, it came out in the early eighties, early eighties, early eighties, yeah. And it's this, like, you know, and, it was, and if you look at the rules, it's like super. It's like forty something pages. It, it seems super complicated, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of like an outline of of a, a role playing game, and you have to you know come up with all kinds of stuff on your own. So the Moral Project was very deadly, but the idea was it was this person called Moral. Super rich guy, super smart guy, uh, came up with this idea that there was going to be a third world war and the only way to fight it, there was no way to fight it that was going to happen. So he puts these teams out in the world and puts them in like bunkers and puts them in like suspended animation and then theoretically after the war ends, they They wake up and they restart civilization. So they have all kinds of differently, you know, different teams. They have recon teams. They have like warfare teams. They have science teams, and all these teams, you know, are separate and they have their own bunkers.
0: Wasn't there a movie like that?
1: I don't want to get it. Too. <laughs> I'm always getting. Don't try to distract me. I know I would go crazy. So, so that's a pretty cool idea. You know, here they're they're doing. They're supposed to do good and. They wake up, but of course, nothing happens to plan, right? So usually, what happens, at least according to the to the book, and they've had different different editions. I think the current fourth edition is I forget who makes it. Usually, what happens is they wake up too late, right? They they're sleep for instead of twenty five or thirty years of sleep for one hundred fifty years or two hundred fifty years. So when they wake up, things have drastically changed society fallen into some really chaotic, you know, depending on how far they slept it, depending on the, what the GM wants, you know, they could, you know, the, the United States or governments and stuff like that of the world could be a distant memory or they could be like fable, right? Oh, like, like star Wars. Was there really the Force? That kind of thing. So, but which is weird because that, that didn't occur. anyway, not a lot of time passed before nobody knew what the Force was about. Anyway, that's another subject. So, so that's a pretty, pretty dark game, but it's also very hopeful, right? Because he, but the people who are in this world have modern day resources. They have, you know, access to clean guns, clean water. They have all, they have, you know, their supply, they have resources, you know, limited. And then they also have, they have these caches where they call them caches, I guess, where they they have supplies in a bunker. And because the landscape has changed so much, in those, those few hundred years, some of them didn't survive, you know, they only got blown up or they got buried or whatever. But and some of them are there, right? So they have resources if they need them, you know, depending on how gracious the GM wants to be. But what they do have is knowledge. You know, you wake up and there's a team of five or six of you got to help the world. And you know, of course, you could not decide not to be that way, not to continue your mission. But I think most people play it that way, which is different from, let's say, you know, like I said, Twilight. 2000 where you know you're just trying to survive or get home like my the game i ran at, at conventions the, the characters were trying to literally get home they were stuck in i believe i put them in pakistan somewhere and yes he did somewhere because he was oh, looking no, no. up all kinds, in afghanistan they
0: were looking up he was looking up <laughs> all kinds of stuff on the internet yes well i put him on some watch list somewhere i think about games like that twilight 2000 would be that you could Make it so they have motivation to get home, right, they want right. to know what happens to their families correct. They and that kind of thing so so moral choices in that game would be like, do you help people along the way to get home correct the best choice of of oh, a bad situation,
1: yeah, oh, and that's what I did when I ran that game at the convention, there was all these little things that would not i don't know some people might call' them side quests, but there were all all these things where they they could help or not help depending on the situation, you know, and sometimes if they helped, it might cause them to get in more trouble you know what i mean yeah and fight a fight that they don't want to fight you know and that's another thing is because because you know dark themes or dark games usually don't have magic to to help you get better right away you know at least in in these modern games you know there's no you know no healer no healer and no healing potion
0: just a medic and a med kit
1: which just mainly presents you prevents you from dying but uh it makes you one you know it makes you a little bit more cautious as to the fights that you get into and whether they're worth fighting or not. So there's other games that are more dark, right? Or are are dark, like let's say Vampire the Masquerade, you know, Vampire the Masquerade and all those white wolf games, you know, usually you play, well, I was, I was, I was going to say a moral and ambiguous character, but actually your vampire is evil. You know, ultimately evil. There's no way around it. And everybody plays a vampire. So Jolene was asking me just the other day about what, what Vampire is all about. And she thought it was a vampire hunting game. And I'm like, no. I think they have a hunter's vigil or hunter's hunted. I don't know what it's called. But that's not, no. That's not what Vampire the Masquerade is. It's about, you know, court intrigue. It's, it's about vampires and how they they interact with each other. And there's always going to be this hierarchy based on, on how long you've been a vampire. and Who made you a vampire. And it's, like I said, there's a lot of court intrigue. And so, honestly, I never got into Vampire. I knew about it. It just wasn't your thing. It just wasn't my thing. And I remember a, a, a while ago now, it was years ago, I mean, it was just me and Felipe were going to Dungeon Con and we met this guy who was really into werewolf, which is the second game in that line, I think. And werewolf, you play werewolves, right? And it's kind of the same thing, but werewolves are more beastly, right? They're more animalistic. And so it's not the court intrigue of vampire. It's more like this. Who's the more powerful werewolf and and also, I don't know what else you do with that game, but, but anyway, so this guy really wanted us to play because he needed players. So he made us a couple of characters. We made characters right away. It wasn't it wasn't all that difficult, and we played, and we were you know I forget honestly I forget what the adventure was about, but it, I had a lot of fun. It was interesting. It was interesting being, you know, playing. You know, you would play a human, and then you would turn into a werewolf. You know, at appropriate times, and sl- kill things right, tear them apart. That was interesting, but I've never played in a obviously I've never played in a long campaign of anything like that. And you know, honestly I don't know what you would do in a vampire game or werewolf game. Then it came out Wrath, the Oblivion, which is you play ghosts or something like that. And then it came out with Mages the Ascension, where you play mages which were human but and they were super powerful and I guess you would battle everything else in that world. So that's like a dark themed game. Subject matter of you're playing evil beings who feed on human people they feed on people their blood you know how you know there's no there's no moral ambiguity there there's no way of going around the fact that you're playing evil things yeah
0: not my kind of game I don't like vampires I mean (laughs) not that I don't like them I don't know any but I can't imagine them being nice people to play
1: yeah uh, but it was super popular I mean back in the what I think it still is mid 90s no I think it, it well the I don't know how popular it was. I mean, how popular it is now. But but in the mid '90s, it was huge. I mean, people were out, you know, in in parking garages playing LARPing the Vampire. Really, I mean, they they talk about it to this day how they would dress up in trench coat and you know put on makeup and go out and hang out, do weird things out in <laughs> out in the streets. And you know, and, <laughs> and I mean, any almost anybody who's playing, D, you know, not D and D, but play role playing games. For a long period of time, I can tell you this stories about people who played Vampire. And other games, there's that dark element or that dark theme game. Then there's other ones, right? There's like more recent, there's Monster Heart, where I hate to say it, but it's more adult themed, even though you're playing kids in high school. Because hey, that's just creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're playing, you know, I, I remember I I ran Tales from the Loop and you played kids. So, yeah, I know. Is that creepy? But the kids weren't monsters. Monsters, right. And they were, this is more teenagers, you know, they're, they're they're a little bit older than Tales from the Loop. Tales and the Loop are little kids up to age 14. And this is like in high school, right? So this is, Monster Hearts 2 is kind of like a, a high school drama, right? You're dealing with high school stuff, whatever that is. And, and honestly, my high school wasn't that, for me, wasn't just that much of a dramatic, traumatic experience. But it seems like a lot of people out there, Really had a tough time in high school, right? Monster Hearts, you play. Not only do you play a kid, a oh, kid, a teenager in high school, but you also play a monster. You're a monster. You're literally a monster. So you. What kind of monster? Well, I mean, I guess you could be a vampire a werewolf or something else, you know, or anything else you could come up with. There's different things you could be, right? And what happens is, you know, you mix those two worlds together where it's a super dramatic situation with, you know, Bobby like, Kiss. Are we talking about Bobby Buffy, Kiss Sarah? Are we
0: talking and, about Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah, I
1: guess Buffy Buffy the Vampire would be a, a, a prime example of monster hearts, right? You But in this case, you're but a she's monster. A, she was a slayer, so. Yeah. Well, well, think of it like if the if she wasn't, and they're all like different kinds of monsters, but they're having to try to have relationships with each other and stuff happens.
0: I, I don't understand, but okay.
1: Yeah. Having, I don't having, have...
0: having been one of those kids that was moved from school to school. <laughs> uh, I have no, no say. I, I don't understand the whole well, high school thing. I mean, I do understand it. I understand people have problems with it, but
1: well, you had problems. I mean, moving from school to school is like, well, one is traumatic. I think, I mean, I moved once when I was a kid, I went from, in second grade, they moved. Uh, I think I've told you people, but oh, maybe I didn't. But I was I was literally ripped from my from my from my grammar school. It was very.
0: Dri- he was ripped literally from his school one day to another school the next day, <laughs> and well, he it still is traumatized by well, it. Well, it's
1: weird, I know now. That I look back at it. I guess I could see that it 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 bothered me greatly. Right i I didn't like the idea. You no, know, because what happened was that I wasn't told I was being moved. You know, you know, my parents were old Mexican people who, you know, children are meant to be seen, not heard, almost. And so, when the discussion to move, they didn't ask for my opinion. In fact, they didn't even tell me. Right? They, I, I knew that they were looking for a new house, right, to buy because they were renting the, the home that we were in. Uh, but I loved the house that we we were in. I, I don't know if I just—it was a ranch house in the middle of a alfalfa field. It was huge, and it was like you know it was a kid's playground and it was a kid's paradise. And I come home, and I literally see my my siblings loading up this truck and and a trailer with all our stuff. And I'm like, "What's going on?" And they're with grins on their faces. They're going, like, "We're moving." I'm like, "They're excited." And I'm like, "When?" And they're like, "Today." <laughs> so literally, we packed up the the U-Haul and whatever it was, cars, and we moved to our new house in one weekend. And boom, I was in a different world. So I can understand that. And I can understand that being traumatic, but I was in second grade. You know, I had a little bit of a, of a what do you call it? A, a period of time where I didn't like that school. I didn't like the kids in it, but did you have a lot of problems going from school to school? No, no. <laughs> it was like, you're like a military, man. Right? Yeah. New school, big deal. Yeah, did You have to punch the first, first person that comes up to you and then make sure that you day, everybody knows you're in charge. No, no. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know. No one told me. So, Monster Hearts is a game that maybe me and Jolene don't really understand. And it deals oh, with. I
0: understand it. Oh, you understand I just it. don't. I mean, if you're playing a monster, I don't know. I guess I don't understand. <laughs> why so, you would. W- I don't understand why you would want to play it.
1: Usually, I think for me, I guess all role playing games, there's some sort of emotional. You know, that... That's what it is. It's people like to do cathartic gaming. There's... I guess that's true. They I... want
0: to do, like, they want to have. I don't, I don't understand i don't think i, I would want to do that
1: i think the, the problem for us in the, in trying to figure out why people play those games uh, is that is that you we know, don't i don't think that's why we play role-playing games right we don't play we don't play role-playing games for therapy you know unfortunately or i want to say therapy for emotional release i guess because you know for me rpgs role-playing games It says it in the, in the title is a game. And for me, games should be fun. Now I understand people really like getting emotional into their, really like getting into their games, you know, and, and some, sometimes games can have a heavy theme. For example, character death, right? A character death is probably one of the heaviest themes that, that could occur to a character and in my games anyway. And when, when one of my players decided that he didn't want to play his character anymore, he wanted to switch characters, you know. I asked him, I go, well, do you want your character to die? Or do you want him to die heroically? And he didn't really say anything. And I'm, I'm like, well, uh, this is over emails. And and he finally goes, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I want to, you know, I want my character to have a big, you know, big ending, you know, to save the group, you know. Oh, okay, good. That's cool. So, we, you know, we started playing, right? And I would say a good half the people playing did not know that he was didn't want to play that character anymore. Even the ones who did know, and there were some people who did know, <laughs> but it was weird because what happened was, and I, I and I guess I was going for that kind of a you know emotional moment because because I, I was hoping he hadn't told anybody. <coughs> right, and I had I, I don't did I had uh, uh, had I told you about his decision or what he wanted to do
0: that he was going to change characters, yes.
1: Okay, that you were gonna
0: put it, to send him out in a fire, glo- fiery glory. No. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. So there although was the- I was
0: less shocked than some people at the so, table, so
1: there was that. So you knew that he didn't want to play a character anymore, and then he told our friend, our one of, a friend on the at the game table. And I'm not sure if the boys knew. I don't think so. So Steve knew, and that was it. But and- it wasn't
0: so traumatic for the boys. It no. was traumatic for the Kathy and, and and Chris. Chris
1: right the two adults
0: cuz they wanted to jump over and, and save, save them him. right and they couldn't understand why why we couldn't do that right it was very traumatic for them
1: yes cuz they actually like they like and uh, Kathy and Chris both of them like well there has got to be something we could do and i'm like uh i'm like cuz well okay i think i mentioned this this uh, <coughs> what happened in this game they were on an airship and they were being attacked by things that flew at them you know there were things riding winged beasts and one of them was literally uh, carrying like a suicide bomb right so he jumps onto the onto the ship and he's gonna blow the ship up right and and this character knew it and everybody knows what's kind of going on but i guess they didn't know what they didn't know how what was gonna happen and he and he goes like well, what are you gonna do and he kind of looked at me and it was because it was totally spontaneous he didn't know what i was thinking you know and I, at one point he kind of kind of looked at me and i looked at him and it was kind of like <laughs> this i try to make it this non-verbal communication and he he kind of cell's at not sells not good with not good with nonverbal communication. <laughs> no, no, but I, I mean like I'm like this is the, this is the moment and so he goes. And then he kind of understood so he, you know, instead of attacking him which he definitely could have attacked him and try to push him off the ship, he decides to tackle him and hug him and jump off the ship. Jump off the ship. At that moment gameplay stops and I'm, and then like Kathy goes, what? You know, this is like this. And she almost stood up in her chair. She's like, what's going on? And, I, and then I'm like, and then he, well, you see, you, I forget the character's name.
0: That's okay.
1: You see the character go, go off and he's hugging this thing. And they fall off the ship. Or they jump off the ship. And he goes, well, I, I throw a rope to him. I go, well, you don't have you don't have, you know, you don't have <laughs> a rope. And then Chris, well, we got to recover the body. I go, well, you, you know, no, the mission is we're not stopping. And then it doesn't matter because you're like, you know, thousands of feet up in the air he's not going to survive you know even there's a joke that that in dnd 5th edition people can fall hundreds of feet and not die cuz they take only these d6 of, die of damage and people have an extraordinary amount of hit points but just to give it more a gravitas see, he was wearing a, a suicide bomb belt whatever thing fast and he blows up right so i'm like no and so one of them chris he, he absolutely he demanded that they put the airship down okay so then they went to look for the body and they couldn't find the body so there it is so then that was a, a moment of it was that was traumatic for chris and for kathy it wasn't
0: traumatic for the player the boys were sh- i don't know what the boys thought and steve already steve and i already knew kind of what was going to happen not exactly or anything yes. but but it was traumatic for
1: both of them right and and i and i and i put characters in a moral quandary i remember i was running a space opera game and there was this the scientist who was doing experiments and doing all kinds of evil stuff, like Nazi stuff. Right. And so the characters catch him, right. They catch him in the act and, you know, he's basically working for the government, right. He says, you know, the best thing you can do for me to you for yourself is let me go. And they're like, no, we can't let you go. You're evil. And he goes, and then he just repeated. And then, you know, I was role playing this character. Right. And, and Kathy was one of them. And, and that was the other player. And they were adamant that they he, he had they just wanted him to admit that what he was doing was wrong, and he, you know he's like no you know I'm doing what our our government wants us to do, wants me to do, and they were they were like getting super mad. They were getting super mad, and their characters getting super mad. So so at one point, and they were alone with this character right, this NPC, <laughs> and the NPC just came, you know what, just put me down. The space opera is a space game, obviously. Put me down to the nearest sp- spaceport and let me go. It's the best thing you can do for yourself. You know, it's the safest thing for yourself. And so they're like, you can't do this. You know, you can't be this way. And so what they do, they shove them in an airlock and they give them the, the ultimate oh, tomato, right? They're going, if you don't admit what you did, we're going to open airlock. And they're, he's like, he goes, I can't believe you're gonna do that because that that really is gonna mess you guys up, you know. And so at the uh, and, and David was in the is, is the pilot, right? And he's going, "What's going on back there?" Like you know, they're trying to talk with communication. <laughs> he knows what's going on, but his character doesn't really know what's going on. And then um and then I go, well, "Can I hear what's going on?" I go, "Yeah, you can hear the conversation." And He goes, well, can, "Can I do? I know what's what they're doing." I go, "Well, you see the airlock door open, the inner airlock door open, and you see the in, uh, inner airlock close." And he's like and he's like yelling at them like through the intercom like don't you dare do anything because he was, he was a very valuable person right, right you know right, right. for you know so david has david had no problems letting this guy go for a, a huge amount of money where the where the girls the women playing the game were like no you have to atone for your evil <laughs> right and so so i went back and forth and and even and david is screaming like into his car goes don't you dare space him don't you dare space him and then I she goes I'm going go, this is your, Annette was the the ringleader. She goes, I'm giving you the last chance. And so he goes, the best thing you can, boom, she hits the airlock. (laughs) He goes, (laughs) David jaw, David jaw drops. drops. And he goes, did he really do that? Did they really open his face? And then I go, well, you notice that the airlock door opened, but it's more incredibly, you see the body of the of the, of the scientist go in front of your you know your window of the, of the ship, and he was like Superman, right? And then and then Annette was like, "We had to do it." That person could not live. It was definitely yeah.
0: <laughs> see that 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 comes to who you're playing with, right? Because some people have have morals that you know they're, they're those knights on white horses that don't step down very often. That's true. Do you let the bad guy like that go?
1: I don't know. No. Well, do you do you, are you do you bring him to justice, right? Is there justice yeah, in space opera? Well, there is. I think
0: they did bring them to justice.
1: <laughs> there is a form of government. There is a form of courts and punishment, just like the United States you know, would have. But do those people who are working for the government, if you turn them in, do they actually face any repercussions for their actions? Especially if they were doing things that the government basically hired them to do. Yeah, well, right. there you go. Well, you know what about we just we, we just watched a couple of episodes of this new show called Hunters or Huntered, or Hunted
0: Hunters Hunters.
1: So th- there are these people who are who are uh, who band together and are hunting Nazis in the United States in the seventies, right? And killing them. They're not bringing them to justice. They're killing them. So
0: I would beg to differ. I believe they are bringing them to justice.
1: <laughs> well, okay.
0: And I told Saul, I go, "Why do you think they made that show now? I have no idea." And I. I think it's because so people don't forget what happened. Because we're far enough away that people aren't alive. I mean, most, most of the people in concentration camps aren't alive anymore.
1: Yeah. Because it's too, been too long. They did have to be almost 100 years old, I think. Unless they were, At least. Unless they yeah. were small children. I mean, even then, they're in their 80s and 90s. So people who were around in World War II are you know, quickly diminishing and dying. And do people now realize what? The horrors the that horror happened. Of World War II was, and and the impact that it had. You know, and and I'm I'm really interested in World War One because all those people in that war are basically gone. Right? There's there's nobody who's 100 and 110. Well, there, there might be, but but for the most part, you know, anybody who was who lived who lived through it and can remember World War Two is is dead. World War 1. World War 1. I'm, I'm sorry. And so I'm I'm looking at World War 1 and you know I've listened to this podcast called uh, something about Armageddon and uh, Countdown to Armageddon and I read a few books and I've really been interested in World War 1 lately because of how horrific it was and how people were not ready. You know the nations were not ready for that kind of warfare and the uh, the traumatic experience that that was and for if you're living in that time you know how it could be, you know that's the end of the world. You know that that's the end of the world could happen because of the, all this people dying in mass numbers, and and we, we did it again in World War Two. So did we learn from it? But you know those are dark themes. You know there there's a there's a game, there's a role playing game called uh, Never Going Home where you're playing either I think World War One characters who are you know fighting in the trenches, and then you know like they figure out that something evil is driving this death of world war one all this mass murder and so they be, so they have this realization they're never gonna make it home that to me sounds like a pretty heavy game and and you and i don't know what the adventures are because i haven't really read it but it looks like an interesting game it's very in, it's an independent game so certain for me certain themes i can see playing but probably not in a long campaign version you know a lot of it has to do with taste right some of them don't, don't uh, appeal appeal to me playing werewolves running around and being weird you know
0: but if if that's what appeals to people then
1: well that's what appeals to you know yeah you can play any game you want but i'm just saying you know for me i I, it seems to me like those kind of games i gotta wonder if you know you're playing with fire you know because you're playing (laughs) with people's emotions and sometimes am i equipped to handle somebody having such an impact in in the game or being impacted by the game that they start breaking down and crying
0: no you're not right
1: i don't think i am you might make somebody angry right Mm -hmm. you know you might piss people off, you know, if you hit certain buttons. And I guess there's this is, you know, there's a new idea of consent and, a, and about, you know, making sure you you feel safe and and are playing games that you feel safe in. But I don't know, I don't know how you can how you can ha- play in those kind of games and not be worried about triggering people and feeling safe. So, you know, I think uh those games really pushed the envelope as far as uh, consenting gaming. You if you're going to play those games and it came like that then you definitely have to put out that some sort of consent form or have a. Form? It
0: doesn't have to be a form. Usually it's a conversation.
1: A form, yeah, a conversation or something, <laughs> something that, that deals with that.
0: That tells people what's gonna happen in the game. Right. Okay, without giving away what's gonna happen in the game. I'm not sure how you can do that.
1: But well, tell them that, what elements might pop
0: up, right? Or and what, what I was reading some of those um, descriptions at the convention okay. and they said adult theme or mature theme. Mature theme but when i read the description it didn't necessarily tell me what 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 the mature theme was right and i guess if and just so everybody knows if you get into a game and you're uncomfortable at any time stand up walk away from the table and leave the room that's me and and if- I, and, and if you feel uncomfortable doing that and you think that someone told you what was going to be happening, or asked you for your consent before the game, giving you an idea of what the mature theme is. If it's a mature theme you're not comfortable with, walk away. There's no reason for you to stay there and submit right. and, and put yourself into some kind of situation where it might bring back bad memories or or make you uncomfortable. Right. I would do that. I wouldn't because I wouldn't get into any kind of game like that. I don't know what all the the themes and games are but anything having to do for me i would walk away from certain themes
1: right well you wouldn't even sign up for the game like that right at a convention
0: no right because i don't know the people and it's not that i don't trust people but i don't trust people <laughs> if someone tells me it's gonna be an emotional game i'll, I'll go okay well that's uh, not for me i came to the convention to have fun i don't need look i grew up with a with a dad who had bipolar disorder so i know what crazy is and <laughs> And that may sound harsh, but people come up to me all the time and tell me their freaking life stories. They tell me all the things that have caused them pain throughout their life. They seem to think that I will understand them. And I do. I understand them because I grew up with people like that. So I know what it's like to have traumas in your life and to experience things. But I'm not going to do that for my game for playing games yeah. at a convention because i've experienced that my whole life where people need feel the need to tell me to try to work through their their <laughs> issues and i look like the person that's gonna help them with that yeah it's only funny. because i understand
1: it's weird that that, that it does happen It does, i've seen it happen all the time you know total strangers even well they'll talk to me about totally different things they won't approach me and tell me about their problems i just don't look like the person that. They want to tell that to you, I guess. Where Jolene, for some reason, attracts those type of people. I, it's it's just really weird. I mean, it's really she should have been a psychologist. Cause, no, cause, cause, you get so many people, you know, telling you their life story in that sense. I, I already said it many times. I don't play games. I play games that have fun and that to me doesn't seem like fun but i'm thinking if you are going to run those kind of games then you should definitely have some sort of uh, a form that people fill out or have a frank discussion about what your you know what your game is 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 about or what it is going to cover and i think most people who are going to play those kind of games and most people who are going to run those games already have that idea already already do that but i think you know you really run the risk of of hurting people if you don't aren't cognizant of that of that happening that kind of event happening in your game where people are gonna get emotional or get angry or or be hurt and then and and i forget what it is but like uh like big bad con has uh, which is a, a convention here in northern california and they have this this, you know, all these things that they implement or they ask you to implement for your games. You know, the X card is going to be implemented. This lines and veils, fade or to black. Fade to black. All these tools that you can use to prevent people from getting upset or triggered or whatever you want to use. What term you want to use? They ask you to put into your description of your game. Now, my friend Bay, he ran, he runs games there, and there was this one where, where the option is, is I forget what it, I forget what it is, what it's called, but it's literally. You get up and leave the game, right? And so I when I, I kind of jokingly said to him, you know, one time we were, we were talking, I go, I go, what's going to prevent me from getting up and walking out of a game no matter what? I mean, I don't usually have – I walked out of a game once. What's going to prevent you from doing that? I and mean, I guess the fact that you're saying it's okay to walk out of my game if you don't like the theme or whatever, then the, the it person – gives them permission. It gives them permission, and that, they feel more comfortable doing that. I've walked out of a game, and I felt really bad, you know, but the game really sucked. And uh, and I wish I had done it more sooner, uh, sooner, sooner and more. And some games I just sit there and and I'm I'm playing the game, not because thematically doesn't terrible or it's boring you to death because it's boring (laughs) me to death. Right. Exactly. It's a terrible game in that sense. Not terrible as it's emotionally scarring me because I've never played in a game like that. Or accidentally signed up and sat down in a game like that. But it was funny that uh, I, I said, Bae, what is this? That's That says that you can just get up and walk out of the game if you don't like what's going on.
0: I like, I just want everyone to know that you can get up and walk out of a game if you don't like what's going on, whether or not they tell you you can or not.
1: Right. That's okay. You don't need someone to give you permission to do that. But it's for some people, knowing that that's okay And if you've had GM.
0: traumatic experiences in your life, I suggest not sitting down and playing those games. <laughs> that's just me. Who wants to, to do that? I don't know. I've seen therapy sessions. I've I've seen a bunch of crazy people. And I know that a lot of people have a lot of bad experiences. And yes. I, I'm not, and everybody has bad experiences, right? Sure. So if the theme of a game, like, okay, if, if there's killer clowns in the title of a game, Jolene's not going to go because I don't like killer clowns or you don't like anything, clowns. any kind of weird sexual situations jolene's not gonna go those kind of weird weird things that i'm uncomfortable with talking about if and and i play with teenage boys so they talk about all kinds of stuff but i don't mind jokes i don't mind different things but serious games where people are like like delving into their psyche and stuff that's not for me and just so you know when i heard the term monster hearts i thought that it was a game where you killed monsters and took their hearts (laughs) um But that's because I play with a bunch of knights on white horses who, that's what they do, right? They go out and they, and that's, and if you want to play palace intrigue games, maybe, maybe a A pin dragon or court intrigue. Yeah. Something that is less where you don't have to kill humans and drink their blood kind of thing. But I know people are into that kind of stuff and like that kind of stuff and feel comfortable with it. To me, I'm, that's not for me and I wouldn't play in those games. So I think the consent And gaming is a really good thing for people because you should know what's going to happen. And if something happens that you're uncomfortable with, just walk away. And I know that might be hard for some people, but I think it's the most important thing to do, right?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you, who you know, if it's really bothering you, you shouldn't have to sit through a game. And it's perfectly okay to get up and walk away. You, you say, you know what, this game is not what, not for me. Or I'm not. You don't comp- have to say anything. You're not, or you do not saying. Anything. You just pack up your stuff and leave. And like, of course, if I got up and walked away from a game, people would know that I wasn't happy because
0: says My face tells everything. But <laughs> but that would be me, not you, right? That's yeah. it's me, not you. I this isn't for me, <laughs> kind of thing. But I, I think I think that a lot of people, and I know like. One of Saul's friends has talked about cathartic gaming and yes. and how that it did help him get through horrible experiences in his life and made him feel more if it gave him a, a cathartic release of, of the pain. Right. But I don't know that for yeah. me, I don't know that I could handle that at a convention or even, I mean, most at of my game. friends know what, what, what what's going on in my life. So they wouldn't do those kind of things. If someone dies, it, you're probably not going to kill people off in your next game. Right. Right. If your
1: mother just passed away, you're not gonna have the character's mom pass, you know, get killed or something like that in the game.
0: If you have kids, probably you know, butchering kids or something like that's not. I, I wouldn't play in a game like that anyway. But you know, right. you never know what people, what the bad guys are are doing. Right. So you gotta just. Take those kind of things into considerations when you're planning your game. So and if people want to play those kind of games where they're emotional games, dealing with traumas from teenage years and stuff like that, that's fine. As long as you tell people what the game is about, because then, you know, I would just walk out of the room then (laughs) because I. Right. (laughs) Thank you very much. But this isn't a game for me.
1: I think that's what we could take it out of this is that uh, everybody has different ways of, of dealing with stuff, different things, different ways of having, you know, being entertained. And for me, role-playing games fall on the fun side of stuff, not on getting through emotional trauma or emotional getting emotional about things but th- not everybody plays that way not everybody is the same like i said if you're gonna if you're gonna touch on things that seem to be adult in nature or whatever you want to call it mature then i think we really as a gm have a plan in place for dealing with consent and dealing with if the things go a little bit weird in your game because th- you're responsible right because you're putting on the game especially in a convention setting in your private home games you know you guys people can do anything they want obviously and that's no thing, but mainly, you know, in convention games, I think is what we're we're talking about, where you might do, play with strangers, right? Where you don't know who's going to sit down at your table, and and that's pretty important.
0: Well, and in a private home game too, you can walk away from that too. Yes, true. Of course, they might be your family or your f- best friends, but you know, you can have a. Honest conversation with those people. You should people. be able to have an
1: honest conversation with them.
0: And if you can't, and you might need to walk away. <laughs> Saul's idea of dark games is totally different than other people's idea of dark themes, right? Saul's idea is that there are these heavy themes of uh, of apocalyptic or or bad things happening in the world. Or moral like, decisions,
1: for me. In, a lot of it yeah, choosing
0: different them. things. When you can play any kind of game like that. But Vampire and stuff like that, I don't know. I haven't played those games because vampires aren't my thing so i mean everybody has things that make them that they like to me i'd rather play supernatural where you go out and you kill the vampires
1: (laughs) try to anyway (laughs) yeah so i I think a lot of uh where i'm coming from is played dungeons and dragons for a long time i ran dungeons and dragons for my son and and his friends and our friends for me there wasn't a lot of moral ambiguity there wasn't any there was just it was straight up this is what you need to do. This is the mission. This is, you know, yeah. Go you have used, fun. Go have fun. Meet you know, weird things. Yeah. Kill, Kill monsters and take their stuff.
0: But now we play Shadowrun, which is a little more, has moral choices that you make. But right. the whole world is, what are you it's gonna, corporation against corporation. Yeah, what are you and,
1: willing to do for, for New Yet, right? Yeah. How far will you go?
0: And I think now that they're older, that's okay. Right. That's more gritty. a more gritty world.
1: Yes, yes. I saw. would say. Yes. So w- whether you're playing, you know, uh D and D Shadowrun, post-apocalyptic games, Monster Hearts or Vampire. There's all you know. There's a, there's quite a variety of games. They each present situations that could cause people to get upset. Just know that. And that for me, role-playing games are games, and I'm gonna have fun. And that's the kind of games I present. But other people, they 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 want to get a little bit more emotional in the games, and that's fine. And
0: that's fine. That a lot of people like that. I right. guess
1: but you know just know that that there's you should be responsible for you know the games that you present to people there you go there it is this is
0: gaming perspectives With Saul. and jolene and yeah. i hope that nobody was offended
1: <laughs> yeah have a good day